Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We have no idea the horribleness of that. Never to see that friend or loved one again forever. Destination completed. No chance of changing destination. That's why the urgency. That's why you put it on the line. That's why the demands. And so Jesus said, don't fear one that can kill your body. That's going to happen. But the one who is in control of your spirit, that's the one. So here it is. Don't fear man. Our eternal destiny is in God's hands. It's a sad thought to think that some people whom we know, maybe some we love, we will never see again. That may be an unpleasant thought, but it is a reality. Not everyone we know and love will be saved. In today's message, Pastor Mark explains that this is why there's such an urgency about our ministry of the gospel. We don't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so we preach and we share the good news. Jesus said not to fear those who can kill the body only, but to fear him who we will face in judgment. Preach the good news. Judgment is a reality. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, The Demands and Benefits of Discipleship. You see, you mean children will give their... The children will say, my dad's a believer. Kill him. Yes. You can't imagine that, can we? All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, this could speak of Petra to the Jews, flee to another. In other words, you're not going to just stand there. Well, kill me. We'll try to hide. But without the mark of the beast, you can't buy food, you can't buy anything. It's going to be very, very difficult to survive. I tell you the truth, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before second coming, before the Son of Man comes. So, lesson number 12. We learn that a disciple endures. He has to go the distance. In other words, I've talked about where Jesus was here before he goes to heaven. Then I've talked about when Jesus goes to heaven, we have this period of time that we're in right now, 2,000 years plus in the New Testament church. Now I'm talking about after the church is gone. We don't know when that will be. Could be next week. Could be five years. Could be 20. I have no idea when it is. And, and persecution and, and opposition still are there. Well, that's because there's always going to be opposition. Since the Garden of Eden, when the battle began, it doesn't end until after, a thousand years after the tribulation. It doesn't end. There's always warfare. So I have to endure If I'm on the earth, I'm always in this battle. So these warnings, I look ahead to the return of Christ, to the end of this age. Jesus gives encouragement, okay? If you're alive, and I believe the Jews will go back in this part of the Bible and read it and go, Jesus knew this was coming. 
We have to endure. We have to stand firm, even if it causes our life. We have to stay firm. We have to believe in Jesus Christ, even if at this point, even if at this point it costs me my life. And of course, that gives us an affirmation that Jesus is going to take care of his people and the nation of Israel. Now, for you and I, what about endurance today? Here's something you must write. While we are alive, spiritual warfare never ends for a disciple. Satan is out to destroy your life every single day. Doesn't matter how high you are on the ladder, it never ends. Now, I'm not fearful, but I have to expect it. He's out to kill and to steal and destroy. And one of his greatest ways that he does that, it's a D word that he carries in his armor of tools. It's called discouragement. Many of us get discouraged and Satan just pounds all on us. Well, Jesus said, don't get discouraged. Put your hope in God. So if you're a Christian and you're on this ladder of life, when will, when will persecution and and temptation and Satan trying to destroy me and get me off. When will that end? It'll never end. It won't end till you die. Don't forget about the rapture. Forget about it. It will not end till you die. And what is one of the major areas that Satan wants to destroy our lives? Marriage. Marriage. Do you understand today? God's plan is to build your marriage, strengthen it, protect the family. Satan's plan is to undermine it, weaken it, and destroy the family. Satan is at work in every one of our marriages. This year, Lynn and I will have been married at, toward the end of the year, 40 years. You know, back at the year 29, on our 29th anniversary, God came to me and he said, you got it made, don't have to worry about your marriage anymore, just let it slide, you're cool. You believe that? No, I... Here's something I want you to write. If you're married today, please write this down. Expect to fight for your marriage and family forever. Never stops. Never. You say, Pastor Mark, I don't have an affairs. We're doing just fine. Our marriage is very healthy. Let me ask you one question. Are you still best friends? Well, now, kind of past that stage, that was many years ago, we just kind of do our own thing, just live in our house. We've got two strangers in the night, and, but we're together. That's not what I ask you. You see, love has three aspects. Eros, phileo, and that agape. Some of you, the eros is gone. You make love once a year. What's up with that? The phileo, friendship? No, well, I'm a Christian, we won't, oh, you know, God hates divorce, so we're not going to get divorced. Well, then tell me how it happens in the church, the same exact amount that it happens in the world. And tell me how in the world a person that can be married 40 years gets a divorce. That are Christians. It's because they don't fight for their marriage. I love Linda going with me on trips. Because we're best friends. Do we have a perfect marriage? No. We have to fight for it. All the time. All the time. But I like, you know, going to India is tough for a lady. But she goes with me because we're friends. Now, you pray for us. We're going to be 28 hours in a plane. I'm putting her in the back row and I'm on the front row so we don't fight. <laughs> no, not really. My pastor and I like to take our vacations separate. That's a sign of incredible trouble. God made you one. Fight for your marriage. 
And you pray for me because when I do a marriage seminar, all hell breaks loose in our marriage. Matthew 24, 10, 24. A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It's enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. We're supposed to be like Christ. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, and that you can have all kinds of meanings for that, basically uh, the prince of demons. If they said to Jesus, oh, you're from the devil, well, how much more the members of his household? In other words, Jesus was saying, what you see me experiencing before I go to the cross, including the cross, get used to it. Because if you're a Christian, if you identify with me, you're going to experience the same things. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, today people don't usually say to us, you, you know, you're a Christian, you go to Calvary Chapel, well, you're a demon. No, here's what they say. You're a Jesus freak. You're a holy roller. Somebody called me this week a Bible thumper. I don't know what that means, but it's cool. You're, you're, you're stupid to believe in God and creation in the Bible. Get used to it. That's what they said to Jesus. By the way, as you think about that, um, what, did, uh, what did Jesus' brothers think of Jesus? Do you know that Jesus' brothers one time, while Jesus was alive, said to Mary, Mary, we've got to go get Jesus. You know what? He thinks he's the Messiah. <laughs> That's true. When did they become believers? After he died. So get used to it. It's okay. You're going to get reflack and just because of, again, Jesus. Now look at verse 26. So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Verse 27, I could preach on for a week, but I won't. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Lesson number 13. We are to learn to fear God, only God, and not man. In other words, Jesus knew his disciples would be fearful. So he says to them, don't be afraid. We tend to become fearful because of the demands of discipleship. Whoa! You mean, whoa! And so Jesus three times says, don't be fearful. What he really means here in these verses, two things. One is this. What I tell you in the dark and what I whisper in your ear, make known in the daylight and speak. That has a great application for every single Christian. Through What you hear from God in your early morning devotions, God speaking to you in the dark and whispering in your ear. When he speaks to you in that day, he gives you an opportunity Speak it boldly from the rooftops. We're privileged to hear God speak to us. What am I doing this morning? What I've heard in the quiet in those 20 plus hours this week from God, I'm now proclaiming to you from this roof. And it's a privilege of mine. And it should be a privilege of yours. That's how the gospel gets out. The second thing he says is this. Don't worry it will look from time to time like you lose a battle. Oh, you will, and maybe I'll even lose a battle. It's going to look like that. But in the end, I win. In other words, have you ever read the back of this book? 
Have you ever read the back of the book? What happens in the back of the book? If you're a Christian, what happens? We win. Jesus wins. We win. Hello? All right, when we get to the back of the book, Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry. Just fear God. Don't worry. Because we win and Jesus wins. Oh, hallelujah. By the way, that's not just hype. That's truth. In the middle of the darkest night, it's okay. Because we win. Why? Because the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Now, understand that. I came across some things this week I like, and I'll just give them to you really quick. Uh, I'm going to get carried away when I get carried away. I like it. When I leave, man, I'm going to go for it. Some of you are going, amen. Oh, in heaven, ooh, I'll see you. You'll be shouting and dancing all over the place. The second one I heard is this. I'm going to have the time of my life when the time of my life is over. Yes. It's only going to get better. So don't fear. God wins. We win. So just share boldly and openly. We want more people to understand that simple, simple truth of the gospel. Now look at verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. What is Jesus talking about there? You're a tripart being. Body, soul, spirit. The real you, the real me, is the spirit. That's the part that lives forever. So Jesus says, don't worry about the one that can kill your body. You see, unless the rapture comes, we're all going to die in this room. I'm going to die by a disease or an accident, old age, kind of similar to disease. I'm going to die. My body's going to die. That's the worst thing that can happen to a Christian. But when I die, as a Christian, I go to heaven. We win. And there's no more sin. There's no more pain. There's no more sickness. There's no more suffering. And so he says, don't worry about those who can, in persecution specifically, that can kill your body. Notice what he says as he goes on in verse 28. Rather, be afraid of the one, of the one who can destroy both body and soul. Underline these last two words. In where? Hell. Who's speaking this verse? Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus believe in hell? Pastor, I don't believe that. Ten seconds after you die, you will believe. It's too late. You see, it's not popular to ever mention hell. Well, it's not politically correct. Are you going to be one of these fire brimstone guys? No. Jesus wasn't. But he gave us the truth. If Jesus speaks about hell, you'll hear me teach about it. Now, we teach about it with compassion. That's what we boldly share. Sitting next to you today, picture a marriage or a friend. One of you is a husband, a wife, a brother, a sister, daughter, a son. And the rapture occurs. One of you goes to heaven. One of you goes to hell. We have no idea the horribleness of that. Never to see that friend or loved one again forever. Destination completed. No chance of changing destination. That's why the urgency. That's why you put it on the line. That's why the demands. And so Jesus said, don't fear one that can kill your body. That's going to happen. But the one who is in control of your spirit, that's the one. So here it is. Don't fear man. Our eternal destiny is in God's hands. It's in God's hands. And we know where to fear God. What does that mean? Proverbs 9.10 is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So how do I, what does it mean to fear God? It just means the definition I've given you. To worship, respect, and love Him so much 
that I just obey Him. I take the steps on the ladder of maturity. I just submit my life to Him. That's what it means to fear Him. Because He's the one who's in control of it all. So, look at verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold? Isn't it interesting? He talks about hell and then look at this compassion. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of the Father. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Here's the third don't fear. Why shouldn't I have to fear? Because, number one, God loves me. He values me. Every detail of my life He cares about. God cares about the smallest detail of your life. Are you trusting Him with the details? Are you praying about the details of your life? Look at verse 32. I use this often, and Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me, can't be a Christian without acknowledging Jesus, before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. What is Jesus talking about? Disciples have no fear of openly professing that they're Christians. There are no secret Christians. There's no secret service in the army of the Lord. Pastor Mark, that, that's a private deal. No, it's not a private deal. If, look at whoever acknowledges me before men. It's not a secret thing. Every one of us had to do it. I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ today, Paul said, because it's the power of God unto salvation. Came across an interesting article. You see the guy's picture, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a tremendous theologian. Back during Hitler's days, he began to fight against Hitler. And then he went to America. During the middle of the war, he escaped and got to America. He was only in America one month. And God spoke to him. Basically, God said to him, what are you doing here? Listen to what he writes. He goes back into the war. He goes right back to Germany after he'd been free here. Could have been saved his life. Tremendous theologian for the rest of his life. He says this, I shall have no right to take part in the restoration of the Christian life in Germany after the war unless I share the trials of this time with my people. You see, at some point, guys, we've got to take a stand. So he goes back and he fights against the Nazis. A few days before Germany was liberated by the United States and the Allied forces, they hung Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You say a ways. No. No. We win. He did what God asked him to do. You're going to have to take a stand. This is not a private deal. This is not, no, we're not in the face of people, but we have to take a stand for Jesus. Now, look at verse 34. Shocking verse, actually. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. What? Yeah, it's going to be very divisive. Why? Look at, For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against a mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Man's enemies will be members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. What's he saying? You either put God first or you don't put him first. And that's going to cause trouble. That doesn't mean we abandon our families, or abandon our wives, our kids. No, not at all. It just means that God says, you put me first. Your family will fall into place. That's going to cause problems. 
Verse 39 is another one you could preach on forever, but it's so powerful. Verse, don't miss it. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, if I try to save my life and do my thing, I lose it. If I do God's thing, I gain it. We have the responsibility to tell all people what to expect. Here's what you can expect. You can serve God, put Him first, and live here abundantly and in heaven. Or you can serve yourself. And then eventually you're going to die. And you're going to die physically and spiritually. So you can have it your way. Or you can have it God's way. There's no middle ground. No middle ground. And the last few verses... I won't read them because of time this morning. Here's lesson number 15. We learn that God rewards those who represent Him and rewards those who welcome His disciples. In other words, Jesus says this, as you share the gospel, well, some people will accept. And they're going to accept the gospel message and they're going to be disciples. They're going to treat you kindly and going to thank you. And I'm going to reward you for being honest and open and disciplined and you stuck with it. And by the way, they're going to be blessed the same way. They're going to treat us kindly and they're going to be rewarded. by. In fact, it goes as simple as a cup of cold water. See, God loves to reward us for doing what he asks us to do. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. First step is always salvation. You see, what can I expect if I become a Christian? Oh, you've heard. I gave you 15 things over the last two weeks. But the first thing you can expect when you become a Christian is to have your sins forgiven, to have peace with God, to have God living in you, to know that you're going to go to heaven. It doesn't get any better than that because we win. But it's always your choice. See, you have to choose. Well, Pastor Mike, I, I'll do that, but I, I kind of want to serve myself. Well, go ahead. You serve yourself and you will lose your life. Well, I'm gambling that I'm my deathbed. That's a stupid gamble. And number two, you miss out on serving God. It's incredible. You get his peace, you get his love, you get his joy. Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before God. If you don't, it's over. Some of you have to acknowledge you're a sinner. You have to realize that your sin separates you from God and that Jesus on a cross died for you. Unless you become a believer and follow it up with commitment, you have no chance of going to heaven. You're going to lose your life. The lessons of discipleship are ongoing. As Pastor Marcus said, a disciple is a learner and the learning never ceases. Today, Pastor Mark challenged us with some important lessons of discipleship. First, we need to learn to fear God and not man. Second, we need to tell all people what to expect. Third, God has rewards for those who serve Him well and for those who receive and welcome His disciples. Are you a disciple, a learner of Jesus Christ? Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira Campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. God has blessed us as believers in so many ways. We have a tremendous inheritance in Christ for which we have done nothing but placed our faith in Jesus. This opens up many opportunities for us as believers. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark reminds us that with opportunity comes accountability. Jesus said that much is required from those to whom much is given. And indeed, in Christ, we have been given much. We've run out of time for today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is given